When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Trump and Clinton swept the Northeast. Cruz and Kasich made headlines. We watched confirmation, and our governor seems to have lost his nuance. We're about to cover a lot of ground in about 20 minutes, y'all. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. So we're back again with another episode of The Briefcase, and we wanted to start out. We have a new subscriber, Amy, joining the um, proud proud group of Obi, Lindsay, Nicolette, Paige, and Sydney. We love you guys so much. Thanks for being um, big regular subscribers. And also thanks to Pamela for the incredibly generous donation. We really couldn't do it without all of you guys. Thank you so much. We also want to give a shout out to um, whomever is on iTunes as Seattle FF Wise Guy for writing our 100th iTunes review. Hooray! Yay! Thank you all very much. We know that that is a real pain and it really helps us out. So thanks for taking the time. I also like the, I told Beth I like the 99th review, which it said that our podcast is for, for all humans. I like that too. I think that's the one that says we should be co-presidents. I don't know that I'm quite up for that, but thank you very much. Man, we would rock that. I'm up. You think I'm we would rock it? it? I don't know. Yes, we would be such good co-presidents. Are you kidding me? Maybe we could start with like co-governors, which as we'll discuss in a little bit, could be necessary soon. Yeah, it definitely could be necessary. Well, we got some interesting feedback as we anticipated on our election <laughs> episode. 
And um, I, I really loved this tweet that we got from Ricky that said, like, Beth, you had me until Citizens United. And I, <laughs> I, I think you had a lot of people until then. Yeah, I understand. Well, so I thought we would talk about this email that we got from Lou about um, he was sort of mystified that I am not as troubled by 501c4s because you 501c4s don't have to disclose their donors. Um, let me tell you why I'm just not all worked up about that. And I, I'm for disclosure generally. So part of the reason that PACs and super PACs don't bother me too much is that they have to disclose their donors. The thing about 501c4s, as I discussed in the primer that I recorded on election reform, is that they are supposed to have a primary purpose other than funding campaigns. And so when you think about organizations like Planned Parenthood and uh, the NAACP, for example, um, it doesn't trouble me at all to think that those organizations, A, could have people donate to them anonymously, and B, could contribute politically to support candidates. So that that's why it doesn't bother me. I think there are just contexts where it isn't appropriate to disclose everything. And I, I don't have any problem. We've talked about this before. I don't have any problem with Mark Zuckerberg creating an organization that does all kinds of good in the world and is also politically active. And it doesn't bother me to think that not every single donation is disclosed. I mean, there's always a potential for corruption, but I don't think that we fix that potential for corruption by just regulating the daylights out of everything. And, you know, that's my conservative perspective coming to the table. I completely understand that that is uh, certainly among our listeners a minority view, but I think it's my job to, you know, put out there my conservative perspective and let it kind of marinate. And if you don't agree with it, that's okay. Um, but we can have the conversation. It just, it doesn't feel right to me to layer on lots of regulations around something that I do see as a free speech issue and that I do think is, um, has a lot of ramifications beyond the way campaigns are funded. Yeah, I mean, I, to- I agree that disclosing doesn't fix everything. I-, I do, I don't, you know, I think there's the potential for corruption even when there's um, in the organizations that do have to disclose, because I really don't think that gets to the, I don't think the heart of the problem of money and politics is that we don't know where it's coming from. You know, I don't really think that's the issue. We know where it's coming from, and we think the the money gives them too much access and influence, or at least that's my problem with it. So I sort of agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it's not the heart of the issue. I also agree with you that the access and influence are a problem, I just don't know how to solve it, and I'm not in favor of limiting speech in order to try to solve that problem with a solution that we haven't generated yet. Money's not speech. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I mean, I just, well, I think money is critical to having speech that is heard. And, you know, again, that's like a philosophical debate that's an interesting one. It just doesn't move us very far forward. Okay, so in that vein, we got a comment from Hannah on Facebook about how she's troubled by corporate donations because those donations don't reflect the perspective of employees of corporations, and that money could be spent on raising wages for employees or R&D. And I thought that was an interesting perspective. I don't know if you had any reaction to that, Sarah. No, I mean, I I think that it is really interesting and I probably think every corporation, how they hire lobbyists, how they use um, that money could be 
the perspective of the person making this. I mean, I, I don't really know enough about sort of corporate structures and how they decide to do those donations and who's making the call, but I think there's definitely the chance that um, a lot of people's perspectives are being left out. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's an interesting perspective. I don't think corporations are democracies, you know, and I don't think that I think smart corporations do engage their employees in making some decisions about how they show up in their communities. You know, so I know that the the firm I work for, it's not a corporation, but uh, our employees are very engaged in thinking through what charitable contributions the firm makes. Um, and I think that's a smart strategy to just be a good employer and have employees who are excited about and connected to your organization. But I don't think it's mandatory. And I also think that employees at different levels have different insights on what advances the business and what doesn't. And so hopefully corporations are always making decisions through the lens of what's good for all of our stakeholders. And that would include employees. But it doesn't bother me to think about corporations spending money politically in ways that don't reflect the views of all their employees, because I just don't think that's realistic. As long as the people making those decisions are upholding their fiduciary duties, I, I don't have any fight with it. Okay, and the last piece of feedback that we wanted to touch on, Sydney sent us an article about Representative David Jolly's bill, the STOP Act, and he is trying to make it illegal for members of Congress to personally solicit contributions. And Sarah, I was particularly interested in your perspective, given your comments about how effective it is for candidates to personally solicit contributions. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's a level playing field, I think that's a great idea. But I mean, how easy would it be to get already people, the higher up you get, like, I mean, I don't have a lot of surrogates soliciting donations for me because I'm just running for city commission. But I think the higher up you get, the higher you have surrogate, a lot of surrogates making solicitations for you so then isn't just it's just you're just going to have a workaround you're just going to have other people doing it your wife doing it but I mean I guess there's something to do to to at least try to attempt to level the playing field and say like you can't use your time on this I don't know how it'd be like can they can they not go to a fundraiser can they just not specifically I mean I don't know I'd have to learn more about the bill but I think it's an interesting idea I love the idea of saying to members of congress hey just work just go to work I don't love the again, this seems to me to be restricting speech in a way. And I also think what I think is more compelling that he's doing is that he's personally pledged to just stop doing this. Yeah. I'm sure like most of them would like to. I mean, I'd like to never have to do it again. It'd be great. We're all a bunch of grown-ups, And I think that if everyone would agree to do this, do we need legislation about it? Can we not all just agree? No, they, We're gonna they, do they this. can't agree on anything. I know. They can't agree on anything, but they should. That would be a good idea. And so kudos to David Jolly for setting the example with his own conduct. I think that's true. Well, and to the to the, the can't they work, I remember the first time I went to Ke- to Capitol Hill, and you actually go in the Senate chambers or the House chambers, and it's like one person talking to an empty room is so depressing. I always thought, like, if I was in charge of the Democratic Party, I'd be like, you know what, y'all? Just, just for the purely visual impact, we're going to show up in the chambers today, and we're going to fight it out and talk and ask questions and, like, Pretend we're the British Parliament where they yell and get real rowdy and you at least feel like they're doing something as opposed to like in a back room talking about things that affect your life, but you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I would I would like for the people who we pay to represent us to do that and to be engaged with each other in that process. Definitely. So we both watched Confirmation. Oh, it's so good. 
It is so good. Greg Kinnear nails Joseph Biden. Yeah. I could not get over the voice mm-hmm. and the the accent. The hair. They did a really job on the Perfect. hair. Perfect. They did. So you had some feelings about this. I just, it's sort of like how I feel about the O.J. Simpson trial. I just had such a periphery kind of surface understanding of what happened. Like, I did not know that um, there were other women who were ready to testify against Clarence Thomas and Joe Biden, who was who's a Democrat, like, made the call. I think, you know, I think it came from a noble place. It's, you know, we watch it now and things are so polarized. But at the time, there was still, especially in the Senate, like, the, the last vestiges of them sort of still working together. And I think he was trying to avoid the idea of, like, everything is, you know, Mitch McConnell style. All we're doing is trying to stop you. I get that on a certain level. But I just think they missed, in the same way that Marsha Clark missed that the O.J. Simpson trial was about race and fame, Joe Biden missed that this wasn't really just about Clarence Thomas. Like, it was about women. It was about sex in the workplace. Like, it was something much bigger, and he just missed the forest through the trees. I think the greatest part of this to me was um, the depiction of female senators insisting that Girl, that wasn't senators. There were no female senators. Those were all representatives. Representatives, thank you. Yeah, so I, I thought that was a really great moment. I think the casting on the the woman who played Eleanor Holmes Norton, who I can't think of who the, the actress was, but it was brilliant. This made me feel pretty much every emotion. I think I was 11 when this happened. And Carrie Washington killed it. She killed it, and all of the... Emotions that you have as a woman in the workplace when anything unjust is happening, anytime you experience a systemic disadvantage for women, I feel like Carrie Washington just wore that mm-hmm. all over her throughout this. Um, you know, these situations, you, you never know exactly what happened, but it was really difficult to watch this and not have a sense that perhaps we have someone on the Supreme Court who... Uh, made some very poor choices as it pertained to women he worked with. And it, it was very discouraging. I feel like at one point, Charles Ogletree, or the, like Charles, the person playing Charles Ogletree, who I love that actor, I can't remember his name right now, says like, I have students more qualified. Honestly, I think what's come out from a lot of the years after this is one, we got a lot of great female representation because the image of a big, long, you know, my favorite new phrase, pale, male, and stale. <laughs> this is what I learned at a recent political gathering. This woman, the first African-American woman at, our, at one of the organizations in town said she'd walk into these meetings and she'd say, oh, it was pale, male, and stale. So that's my new favorite phrase. But um, all these men standing up, like, harassing her, and it led to the year of the woman. We got all this great election. But I think that the other thing that's come out of it is, you know, I don't really think Clarence Thomas is a good Supreme Court justice. I think the fact that this is really still... Decades after he's been on the court, the only thing people ever really talk about when it comes to Clarence Thomas speaks to the fact that he is not this legal behemoth, and maybe he didn't get to deserve to be there for a lot of reasons, not just the fact that he was sexually harassing people while working at the Equal Opportunity Commission, please. The irony. I thought that part was really good. It is. It was just, it was hard to watch. Oh, the other thing I was going to say was what I kept thinking about is there's a really great podcast called Death, Sex, and Money, and when they first, when it first came, I think that's the name of it. It first came out, they did this thing on Alan Simpson and his wife, who, listening, and it's this beautiful love story, and it's like, 
like not romantic like it's a very like we struggled and how we figured out just you know like classic this american life type storytelling and at the end they talk about him and how the fact that he was so nasty because you listen to the story of him as this like loving husband who really is self-aware and challenging himself and then you get to the part where they're like oh and by the way this is the same alan simpson who was so nasty to elena hill and he kind of talks about that and his wife talks about how she felt watching him be like that towards her it's really interesting we'll put it in the show notes um for a little side if you're, if you're looking for some bonus viewing after confirmation there's also a great anita hill documentary on netflix Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain which is Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. 
other things that we have strong feelings about, or at least I have strong feelings about, I got to talk about Ted Cruz and John Kasich for a second. (laughs) I have given up. So let me just say this. I have given up on having a Republican nominee that I feel even marginally good about in the presidential race. Okay, so I've let that go, right? I have serenity because I cannot change that. <laughs> you need to write a special political version of the serenity prayer. I That is what I am drafting in my head every single day. However, I still am slack-jawed at... If, if you're going to treat all of this as a game, right? Strategically, one. Why? Why? Do the Kasich and Cruz campaigns release this statement that they're going to collaborate on sort of, I'm not campaigning, you know, Kasich is not going to campaign in Indiana, Cruz isn't going to campaign in New Mexico. And they issue that statement, which I think is a mistake. How tone deaf is that, right? Like, you have an electorate that is populist this year. You don't have to like that, but that's the situation. On both sides, right? Mm -hmm. It's a populist electorate this year. The last thing anybody wants to hear is, now we're going to essentially collude. collude. (laughs) And this is not very nuanced, but I said to one of our listeners on Twitter, doesn't this just play right into Trump's tiny hands? (laughs) It does. It does. It does. And so that happens. And then they don't even collude well. Because Kasich says in response to a question, yeah, my supporters in Indiana should vote for me. And so then the headlines are, oh, the alliance is already falling apart. So that's dumb. And then I guess to win a news cycle um, about something other than his pathetic showing in the Northeast, Ted Cruz goes ahead and says, hey, I have no mathematical path to getting the Republican nomination, but I got my VP picked out. What? what? What is going on? So apparently Reagan did this in 76. Did you read this? No. Yeah, he did it in 76. And for those of us who aren't history buffs, um, for those of you that don't know, he didn't get elected till 80. So it didn't work. <laughs> it failed miserably. Yeah, I don't know who he picked, but he did it when he was running against Ford in 76. That's interesting. I mean, Cruz cannot win this nomination. How presumptuous. Again, tone deaf. And also, right? Fiorina, what are you doing? What is this? I is know. not how is this in any way, shape, or form? And why did you sing? What are you doing? Why are you making these decisions? You're making bad, like as I tell my children, you're making bad choices right now. Everyone is making bad, bad choices. choices right now. You know what I feel like? I hate it when politics is reduced to gamesmanship, but that seems to be where we are right now. And this is like watching my favorite team play so badly that I have to say, you deserve to lose. Mm-hmm. They're, you're not even playing the game well, yeah. you know? It's just, it's really, really frustrating. Well, because I don't mind a little, like, you know, there's a, there's some great episodes of West Wing. I think Obama's capable of this, and Hillary's definitely capable of this. Of the sort of you feel like they're, they sort of got the, you know, moral winds at their back, and they're at their, they're playing at their best, and they're doing some, like, Hillary doing this website of the woman card. Love it. Like, is it a little gamey? Yeah, but it's also making a really good point, and she's sort of got ethics on like the ethical argument on her side so it feels really good not just you know i'm i'm using like you know ted cruz being smart strategically about some of these delegates things like that doesn't bother me like 
Be smart. I'm glad that you're like that's a president. You know, I'm not going to vote for Ted Cruz. I don't think Ted Cruz will make him a good president. But go with me here. Like you being smart enough to see down the road and see where you can strategically pick up delegates based on process. I got no beef with that. That shows planning. That shows you know farsightedness, strategic vision. Like that's fine. That doesn't bother me. But this is just it's just well, poor that's strategy. The thing that this is. This is not politically astute, yeah. right? Like, if you're going to do gamesmanship, do it with finesse. And there's no finesse here. I'm just, fa- I'm very, I'm, I'm done, really. <laughs> it's done. It's so sad. I'm yes. sad for you. And also okay, but maybe, sad. Well, no, I was going to say, well, maybe there'll be a vice president pick that really could make you feel better. But it's still, I mean, if it's Trump, I mean, who could he pick? That would make it in any way, shape, or form better. That would make it better. I can't imagine who that would be. I mean, he could pick somebody great and I could be excited about that vice president, but I would still be like looking at the top of the ticket Mm -hmm. and thinking what is happening. Yeah, there's nobody that's going to make a reasonable. I don't think there's a vice president that can make a reasonable person vote for Trump. And so I've just let this go. I've let it go. It's okay. It's okay. That's what I have to do. I have to, I have to be divorced from things that I can't control. Yeah. Yeah. This is, we've, we've reached the mental health episode, uh, the uh, mental health portion of our episode. That's right. I'm only responsible for the way that I vote, Mm -hmm. you know, not the way other people vote. That's right. And my own emotions. And I'm not going to have thoughts that take me down a rabbit hole about this. Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm in the exact opposite space, but. I'm sure that you are and good for you. Although I'm not sure how I, I'm not sure how I feel about this woman card thing, um, I think it is smart, and I think that her supporters are are gonna relish it. Yeah, I'm not sure that that helps anybody who's not a supporter become one. You know? Oh, I don't know. I, I think, think she'll it... pick, she picks up women. The more he picks on her for that, the more she the more women she gains. I think him picking on her is ridiculous mm-hmm. and a very bad move. I I think a lot of women are going to be uncomfortable with the women card. I mean, his... I really do. Negatives with women are like 69%. They are so high. Does he understand who votes? Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. 
Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I mean, he's like, that's horrible, right? I'm just saying if somebody like me, so I do not want to vote for him, the way that she handles it will influence whether or not that converts to me voting for her, mm. right? So my vote could go third party or it could go, or it could go to her. And I'm super undecided about that yeah. right now. My, in, my inclination is to vote third party. I mean, we'll see what happens, but it's it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. I'm sure we'll talk lots and lots more about that. So uh, let's talk about Matt Bevan for a minute. Ugh, he's off the rails. He's got, we made this episode where we said, elected Matt Bevan, let's all, you know, keep our nuance. It's not the end of the world. No, I think it might be the end of the world. Well, I don't think the world is ending, but I think things in Kentucky are not going well. It's just so antagonistic. Like, he, he's decided to go after the former governor, Bashir, who is a Democrat, who has openly opposed, not surprisingly, his shutting down of the Medicare expansion and Connect, which was Connect Kentucky's marketplace, which was like a, a model for the nation, but whatever. He shut it down, and so he, but so he, like... You know, Bashir did the normal sort of respectable political things. I don't think he did anything crazy. And then all of a sudden now, he's suing, he's go, investigating Bashir because he said that he violated the, um, like, not contribution, but like requiring state workers to contribute to his campaign. Then he has been, despite like sort of criticizing executive orders, has been throwing executive orders left and right, cutting budgets, which he's not, I mean, it does seem like a constitutional violation for him to use that kind of authority to deal with the Kentucky budget. So now, um, fun twist, Steve Bashir's son is the attorney general. So now he's suing Bevan over this, and Bevan is vetoing basically everything the legislators pass. 
I mean, it sort of reminds me of what's going on with him right now reminds me of what you said, which is like the your fis- the fiscal responsibility is not the only responsibility you hold to the citizens of Kentucky, but that seems to be the only thing. I think that's what he thinks is the it's every, he he vetoes everything. Well, we can't spend money on that. We can't spend money on that. We can't spend money on that. How did that turn on in Flint? Like, how did it turn out when you the only concern was how to cut money, how to save money, how to save money, how to save money? Like, what are you doing? I just hate the tone. I hate the and just the total like environment in Kentucky right now. Kentucky needs to figure out its fiscal situation for sure, right? It's not going to be good. Every bill comes due at some point. Mm-hmm. So we cannot continue to operate in the unsustainable way that we've been operating. But I agree with you. That doesn't mean that you just slash say no to everything. And I think that there is an important discussion to be had with the people of Kentucky about what our priorities are. And that's the thing. I don't know what Matt Bevan's view of government Mm -hmm. is right now, other than uh, bad and we shouldn't have it. This is what happens when you, I mean, I'm sort of opposed to people who hate government running the government. I'm not, I'm not opposed with a little skepticism, but you know. Out and out hate for all government systems is problematic for me when you are suddenly in charge of them. My beef with Matt Bevan is I totally agree about Kentucky's fiscal position and what I think he should have done and could have done was to get to get into office and say, "Look, I'm a businessman. I didn't create this mess, and I'm sorry that it's this way. But you and I, and we all, you know, all of us know that the only way." One of the ways, one of the main ways that we have to get out of this pension crisis is to raise revenue. I didn't create it, but I'm just being honest with you. Like he could have sold that, like sell it. You could do it. You didn't make it. You're not a you're not a classic politician. You weren't out there robbing the pension, so it's not hypocritical. You said you're going to clean it up. You say my number one priority is to to solve the pension crisis. We can't cut. We can't solve because it's true. We can't solve it by just cutting. You know we're going to have to raise revenue. So let's raise revenue. Just makes me mad. Well, and a whole package of the best way to raise revenue is to bring more people and more jobs and more opportunity to Kentucky. So how are we going to do that? Oh, by slashing the education budget. Oh, wait. No, no, wait. No, wait. That's the opposite. Well, we'll keep an eye on this, obviously, because it's our home state. But it is kind of a good, not a good, but, uh, you know, a representative example, I think, of what happens when politics loses its nuance. Because... To me, being a Republican and being in favor of limited government doesn't mean that you hate all government. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to have a distinction in your skepticism toward the federal government, and that should be different than the way you feel about the state government and your local government, right? Like, these are not, all government is not equal. All government isn't the same thing, and there are different roles for those different levels. That's part of what makes the United States amazing, Mm -hmm. right? We have all these different things going on and um, what the priorities are at each level should be really different. And I just think that we've decided that the easy thing to do is to say Democrats love big government at every level and Republicans hate government at every level. And that's just not what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I was reading some West Wing, like a West Wing roundup, Martin Sheen's best thing, blah, 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 you know, 
you know, the things you read on the internet. <laughs> One of them was a quote from an episode I've totally forgotten where he was saying, like, he was in some debate about slashing the federal government, taking it back down to, like, the federal government's a problem, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you know what? Florida didn't win World War II, and California didn't restore civil rights. That was the federal government. Sometimes you need big government to step up and do big things. And I thought, yeah, that's good. I'm going to steal that and pretend like I wrote it. Thanks, Aaron Sorkin. Uh. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode. Um, We do have a new feature. If you would like to hear your voice in our podcast, you can leave us a message by calling 859-568-2330. Visit our website, pantsuitpoliticsshow.com to email us, become a supporter of the show, or uh, just check out our show notes. We hope you'll connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. And until Tuesday's episode, keep it nuanced, y'all.